African Americans, by comparison, commit the majority of the crimes per capita by percentage based on population. Now, understand statistics. They don't commit more crimes than whites. There's only barely 36 million African-Americans in the country. Not all of them are criminals, despite what most of you racists may think. But per capita, being the smaller minority community outside of the Hispanics that have surpassed the population of blacks in America, disproportionately, the proportion of crimes committed out of that community are higher than the proportion of crimes committed out of the Hispanic community and definitely, proportionately speaking, out of the white community. So more blacks per capita of their community commit crimes and more whites per capita of their community commits crime. It's the same principle of welfare. You always get a picture sometimes that blacks are the ones of welfare. Where, no, they're are more whites in America than blacks. So the majority of people that have a burden on the welfare system are not blacks. Get your stats right. It's white people. And then second to that would be Hispanics. Blacks per capita, based on their population, have a larger percentage of their group on welfare. But more that are on welfare are whites. Blacks have a larger percentage of their group committing violent crimes than whites. And the crimes that are committed on blacks are mostly, as in every group, racially propagated. Blacks on blacks, whites on whites, Hispanics on Hispanics. Percentage-wise, we commit crimes on our own group more than another group on us, proportionately. Of the percentage of how many whites commit violent crimes, that's the key word, on blacks, fewer whites commit violent crimes on blacks than blacks committing violent crimes on whites. And the next group would be the Hispanics. Whites commit the smallest portion of violent crimes on racial groups. So there are fewer whites acting out violently on blacks than there are fewer blacks acting out on whites. And the same applied to Hispanic Latino. So when you look at that, you've got to understand what those stats and percentages tell us. Well, poetically, it tells us that the angrier group in America are African-Americans. They have reason to be angrier. That's the reason. Law enforcement has two duties. Its main duty, however, is the enforcement of the law and the stopping of crime. That's the main duty, really. They're not traffic cops. That's thrown in there, obviously. But you don't really think of a cop for traffic. You really think of a cop for crime, the safest, most survival-minded mechanism of life is you don't want someone to kill you, rob you, steal your stuff, break in your house, kidnap your kids. And that really 
is why we love cops and need them. Boy, do we need them. Don't ever forget that. And we do love them. And if you don't, you should. And many of you know that officers have saved you, saved your children, saved your business, saved your lives. And the majority of cops are white, so therefore most of them are probably the white ones that are doing it. Saving your children, saving your lives, saving your business. 911 help, and here they come. God bless them. But there are outliers, people that make cops look bad, notwithstanding cops. But that's not the majority of cops. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. Not even 1% of them. But all it takes is one, right, folks? All it takes is one. All it takes is one bearded Muslim in a hijab coming in your shop and yelling Allah Akbar and throwing a fit, breaking something, and that's it. Because that's tribalism. That's just the way humans are. It's not an American thing. It's a human thing. So there's an understanding why African-Americans are so angry. The majority of African-Americans have had to go through because of slavery, obviously. You try hundreds of years of having your wives and children raped, put in labor camps. That's what they were. We like to call them plantations. We call the German Holocaust what it was. We ought to at least call our Holocaust in America what it was when we stole millions of refugees from Africa, didn't pay them, killed them along the way, beat them, whipped them, raped them, and treated them less than an animal. You cannot have that kind of history and wonder why we are in the position we're in. Wake up. And you can't tell people to get over it. You don't get over your history. You don't get over your legacy. You don't get over anything, be it negative or positive. It's a part of the seeds you planted. The deeds you've done will come to bite you. Crime doesn't pay. But it will be punished, if not in this life, in a life to come. No one gets away with anything. They just get away with it for a while or a moment. But you will pay the piper. Remember that. No white man grows up wishing he was black. You don't go to bed tonight, say, I can't wait to wake up next to my wife and see she's a black woman and my kids are black. No white person wants that. And why would you? You know the story. But I can tell you there are plenty of black people that wish they can wake up and be white. Not because they want to be white, but because that's where the power and the privilege from what they've experienced. They want to be able to walk in a store without a security camera following them. They want to be able to walk up to an ATM and get in line without a white woman turning her head thinking she's going to get robbed. Fear. The lie. No different than what cops are experiencing, the lie and the fear. And all it takes is one or two national events of a group of cops beating a black suspect, and it's over. 
You remember Kent State when they shot white students? We have to understand the psyche of crime and the psyche of race. It has a place. On its face, it may seem barbaric and animalistic and tribalistic, but the data does bear out, particularly when you study it in lieu of history. There is a reason for it. It's not arbitrary. Blacks are angry. They have a reason to be. A white man didn't have to fight for the right to go into the front of a store or sit in the front of a bus. Seriously, folks, that's inhumane. Were turned down for jobs before they were even considered from their resume once they saw they were black. This is 2020. I've applied for jobs years ago. Some often say I sound white over the telephone. And then when they see me, walk through the door, oh, I'm sorry, that job was filled. I once played a trick and had one of my white friends call the same place. They did the same thing, gave him an interview over the phone. He sounded white. And when he showed up, they interviewed him. I didn't make a case about it. I just moved on. Because if I made a case about all the racist stuff that happens in Orange County, I, my God, I'd have more gray hair than I already have. And I wouldn't do anything but be an activist. I wouldn't be able to live, play, sing, go eat, hang out with my friends, my white friends, by the way. Just walk around with a chip on my shoulder and angry all the time. No, I can and I should. There's great reason to be angry. None of my white friends have walked down the street and been called the N-word. I have. This is 2020. People are nasty. People are violent. People are evil. And without law and rule of law and cops, people will break the law. Only reason why even some law-abiding, most law-abiding people, they obey the law because they have a fear of the law. But once you lose the fear of the law, you break the law. When you think the cop isn't there, you run the light. You run the stop sign. Even soccer moms in a car with their kids. We've all seen it. The cops know it. Humans are always looking for a pass, no matter what their race. And if they can break the law and get away with it, they will. Now, there are those that, I tell you, they do have a little bit more integrity than 99% of the rest of us in this population. And they'll sit there and go the speed limit and we honk the horn at them, don't we? And God bless them. <laughs> the little snails, I call them. <laughs> but cops know. They know. There are good men who do bad things. And there are bad men who do good things. But there is a reason for the racial animus in our country. There is a reason. We get comfortable in power, no matter what race we are. No one wants to give up their privilege or their power. And in honesty, should they really give it up? Nobody wants to stay rejected, dejected, rejected from life. Treated with scorn and suspicion just because 
they got up this morning and breathed and walked out the door and you saw they were dark? Seriously? No cop wants to show up and you are already angry because he's a cop? Seriously? And immediately start speaking to a man in a badge with disrespect. That's his job. He's an enforcer of the law. Your job is to understand his job, respect it, and honor it. His job is to honor his code. Hopefully he does. Most do. Some don't. And when they don't, they're dealt with. Some citizens respect the officer. They speak respectfully. Some don't. And when they don't, they're dealt with. It works the same on both sides of the fence, folks. But to be dismissive or to paint the narrative out of your bias or your prejudice or your hate or your emotion destroys the understanding, the compromise, and the path forward. Don't dismiss the narrative of why minorities, African-Americans in particular, feel the way they feel. They are justified in that. Whites were not being lynched in the South unless they were friends to Negroes and helped them. Anything associated with black people. A young black man could just speak to a white woman and they would lynch him. That's evil. There's a reason for animus. It has a place. Do not dismiss it. And it has not yet been equalized in this society. But there is a path forward to how African-Americans in this country, along with their white brothers and sisters in this country, can move forward in our country from the sins of our fathers. That's what we do. When this country was founded, it moved forward from the sins of the colony, from the sins of England, from the sins of the British Empire. They wanted a country that didn't follow the ethos of a dictatorial king where the people's voices were not being heard. They wanted a government of, for, and by the people. Blacks are no different. Or are they? Because they're dark. This country slowly and methodically began to bring liberty and freedom for all, truly forward for liberty and freedom for all. We have been making progress. We have. We have. It doesn't mean we are there yet. We're still getting there. But we are on the path forward. Let's not shoot ourselves in the foot. America. We've done bad and we've done good. And the best part of this country is that we continue to try to be better. We continue to try to achieve our highest and best result. We're still trying to get to Zion, to that promised land. Now, in my view, let me tell all of you, 
we're never going to get to where the ideal is. There will never be an achieved utopia. But to me, that is not the goal to achieve it. To me, the goal is to pursue it, to be on that path. You go to church, you read your Bible. Are you there yet? Are you really like Jesus yet? I think not. I've not met one yet. I don't care how many scriptures you quote or songs you sing or crosses you wear on your neck or fake smiles you force on your face when you see me. You're not there yet, and you know it. But you know what you're doing? You're heading in that direction, aren't you? You woke up this morning, or you went to that church service, or that Bible study, or whatever you do, and you said, I'm better today than I was yesterday, not where I'm going to be yet, not what I used to be, not yet what I'm going to be, but I'm better and hopefully tomorrow I'll wake up and I'll be better. I'm not there yet, but I'm heading there. I am in constant pursuit of my higher self as God has ordained it. And sometimes I relapse and sometimes I take a few steps backwards in my pride or my ego or my sin. And having to reassess, readdress, re-strategize, get back out there, regroup, and then get back out there and try to make up for it and go forward. Don't we all do that? Don't have a false sense of idealism. We are all heading in that direction. Law enforcement has made amazing leaps and bounds and change. Don't demonize them. Don't demonize blacks and just use data and stats to support biases and prejudice and hate and more divisiveness. They are there to help to explain, but not excuse, to help us to understand. Let's look at that data and understand why. Why are mass shootings proportionately committed by more whites than blacks? Why? Why? For every one black that commits it, six times that amount, a white person commits it. Why? Why are they young white boys that are committing mass shootings? Why? Not young white girls. Why, when it comes to crime, six to eight times the amount of crime is done on males than on females? Why? Why is male aggression the main engine of crime and not female estrogen? Why? And those are the understandings of criminal science and psychology and biology and culture. But we are making headway. And sometimes we take a few steps back. And maybe when we do and we regroup, we take that many more steps forward. But it's a constant need. It's never going to go away, folks. We're human. We just have to be committed to always address it and deal with it when his head pops up. There are crime spurts. There are crime spurts that occur. 
Things get good, but they don't stay good. Things get bad, but they don't stay bad. This too will pass. Opioid addiction. Prescription drug addiction. Ritalin. Adderall. They are great contributors to white mass shootings. Destabilization of the brain of a male. Why white? Because most white young men are on those drugs. Fewer blacks are. They just don't have the income to afford those psychosomatic altering drugs that are trying to straighten out a man's mind or brain because some woman thinks that the boy is too much of a boy, has to be calmed down. It has an adverse reaction those chemicals to male testosterone and the development of the aggression, kind of like that dog you have to neuter. And the idea, and that's another subject I've talked about in previous podcasts, is that explains more white aggression when it comes to mass shootings. In almost every case, they were on some psychotropic drug, some mind-altering drug. Almost in every case, if not in every case. I'm trying to think of one where that wasn't the case, but I can't recall one. And it's no different when looking at the crimes of African-Americans and seeing what is the underlying cause. It's not because they're black and they're not shooting up schools because they're white. There is a reason for it. Deal with it. Deal with the reason. Address it. Society has to do that. It's not the job of the cops. They're just there to respond to it. They're not going to sit there and interview the mass shooter. They're going to try to take him out. They don't have time to play mommy and psychologists, psychiatrists. They have some training in that and de-escalation and negotiations, but that's not their main mission or their drive. And don't put that burden on them. That is not the burden responsibility of law enforcement. That's yours. Father, mother, pastor, friend, uncle, family, grandpa, and politician, musician. Those are your duties. Cops can't fix all of society. It's not their job. You're indoctrinating them with this hatred in your schools. You're giving it to them over the television and over social media, and then flash mobbing them in the street to blindside them. And what do, they, what do you think they have to do? They have to get in defensive posture. We're hurting ourselves. And we've got to stop it. I've said enough. In fact, I said too much. I've given you a lot to think about. Talk to you later.